Thank you so much for joining us for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, Pastor Sumiko Stroud is going to teach from the book of Galatians. Now let's join her in this series entitled Journey Through the Book of Galatians. This is session number five. Uh, now the law served a purpose uh, and that, uh, remember, we had discussed that it was like a schoolmaster. It taught us and showed us what? That we needed a savior. It showed us where we were falling short. Uh, and why did we need a savior? Because of the original sin. Uh, we remember Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden, right? But it was Adam's sin, his disobedience, that separated man from God. And I know we always like to say, I can't believe Eve did it. Well, Eve did, did, did do what she did, but the separation of man and God didn't occur until Adam also partook because he was the one in the position of authority. He was the one um, that God had given that to. And so um, when, that, when that took place, we had Adam's disobedience, Adam's sin uh, and disobeying God separated uh, so that we did not, we no longer walked uh, in the coolness of the day, uh, fellowshipping with, Lord, uh, with the Lord as it was intended for us to do. And so everything from then was us trying to get back together with God. The problem was sin got in the way because God is a holy God and he, you cannot stand in his presence with sin on you. So the law provided uh, a way to show us that we were in need of a savior and also a way to try to help cover uh, that sin so that we could uh, as humanity come back into agreement with God. But all that would happen is there would be animal sacrifices, the, the shedding of blood, and that blood would cover those sins but wouldn't take it away. Uh, kind of like when you, when you get some air freshener, especially the cheap kind. You have a smell, you may have a smell in the room that's unpleasant and you go and get some of the, I don't know why it always seems to be rose scented, uh, the little cheap air freshener and you spray it and you spray it and you spray it. Well, when you're finished, what you effectively have is what stinky rose uh, scented room because it doesn't get rid of the smell. It just sort of covers and underneath you still have that odor that's there. And if you don't take care of what's producing the odor, it will remain. Well, that's what happened with the sacrifices uh, under the law. They didn't have the ability to get rid of the sin on our lives just to cover cover it just enough so that we could have some kind of relationship uh, with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit would come upon people to do particular things, but he did not dwell inside them to help them to change and to grow and become closer to God. And so we have Jesus that comes along, uh, known in the Bible also as the last Adam. Uh, some people say second Adam, but when you say second, it sort of leaves room for a third, and there's not going to be a third. So he is the last Adam. He came uh, fully human uh, and fully divine, which gave him the ability to be able to do what he did. And he gave his life on the cross so that we could be reconciled uh, to God. He came as an atonement. There's talk of atonement in the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ came as the atonement for sin. And remember we looked at atonement at one meant when you separate that word. Meant being, meaning the state of being. 
So him coming as an atonement for sin uh, created the opportunity for us to be uh, again at one with God. Uh, and so that when we believe on the finished work of the, cro- of the cross, that we are then justified. Um, and what does justified mean? Just as if I had never sinned. So it's different than when you come in with a cheap air freshener and spray it in the stinky room. It works more like the Febreze is supposed to work. You know, when they do the Febreze commercials or, or any of those type products, supposedly uh, they capture the stinky cell or whatever it is, the, the little stinky molecule and carry it away. I have not had mine work quite like that, but according to the commercial, that's what it's supposed to do. And so Jesus' work on the cross, the blood that he shed, uh, his blood, different from the animals, and they didn't, didn't just lay over our sins, but his blood actually engulfed the sin molecules in our lives and wash them away. So as if we had never sinned at all. And so then we can stand again uh, as mankind should have and did from the beginning at one with God. And we can have that relationship with him and we are free uh, from the penalty of sin. And we're also free from the guilt of sin, which is what uh, sort of hems us, most of us up, is that although in God's eyes the sin has been washed away, we still tend to have a tendency to walk around uh, with the guilt. Uh, unnecessarily. All of that has been dealt with. It's done. Now, there may still be consequences to actions that we have committed. And we will have to deal with those consequences that are in the earth. That doesn't change. But God gives us grace. He gives us favor. And things sometimes can, you know, turn around and we may not have to deal with the full brunt of actions that we have done uh, before we give our lives to the Lord. But there are still consequences. Uh, we, were, we are changed. Our spirit man is reunited, connected uh, with the Lord. But we are still in these bodies. Uh, and, you know, the example, you know, we like to give is if you, you know, had one eye and no teeth, you know, before you got saved. And after you say that prayer, you will still have one eye and no teeth. You know, your body's going to be the same. Of course, God can do something miraculous, uh, but you are going to be the same uh, as far as your body. And you're still going to have those same tendencies and desires, but now we are equipped to be able to deal with them. The Holy Spirit in us will help us uh, to overcome those things. But there is going to be a battle between uh, what we call the flesh. Now, not to be, don't confuse the term. When we say flesh, we're not talking about our bodies. Because as Pastor Stroud explained to us Wednesday nights, these bodies are suits. And so when we talk about flesh, we're talking about that old nature, the unruly part of us that is apart from God. It doesn't want to submit to God uh, that wants to have his own way and is uncontrollable. Are you all familiar with that part of yourself? Have you met that part of you? I've met that part of me, right? Always comes up at the wrong time, don't they? Uh, and, and, you know, will show out and, you know, and show up at the most inopportune times. And you're sitting there going, why in the world? Almost like you're watching a movie of yourself. Why am I even behaving this way, right? That's what we mean by flesh. And our spirits is that part of us that longs to be in the presence of God. 
And that's the part that we all have. There is what we like to say, uh, a Jesus-shaped void in our lives and in our hearts where we long to worship, we long to praise the Lord, we long to be in His presence. Now sometimes we will fill that with other things. We will try to fill it. Have you ever had a craving uh, for something in particular and you didn't have that available so you just tried to eat something else? And it seems like you still just can't get full, right? Because you just want that one thing. If spicy is what you want sweet just doesn't cut it and that's how it is in our lives because we were created to worship God uh, we could fill that void with other things we can worship other people we can worship uh, other things but it still doesn't satisfy us the way it, we are satisfied when we spend time in the presence of the Lord and so there's always that battle between the flesh and the spirit uh, because the flesh wants to heap things upon itself and worship itself and our spirit wants to worship the Lord. And so we, you know, have that battle. You ever experienced that battle, you know, and when you wanted to do something that you knew um, God would love, that you knew would be satisfactory or pleasing to the Lord, but there was a part of you that was like, I just really don't even want to do that. I want to do something for me. So that is a battle that we all um, have to, ex we all experience, okay? And so that brings us when we're talking about liberty because what happens, uh, and just like it happened in, in Galatia, uh, the churches in Galatia, it still happens today. We hear the word of God preached. We hear the gospel. We hear about the work of the cross, how sin was a debt that we could not pay. Even if we had been able to follow the entire law, there would have been something, some reason why we could not fulfill that debt. And so Jesus came and there was the work of the cross that paid that debt. But for some reason, we still feel like there's more that we should do. And that's what happens is that once we uh, give our lives to the Lord and we are free and we're walking in that liberty, well, along comes somebody uh, who says, well, in addition to your faith, because uh, salvation comes by faith in Christ, somebody will say, well, in addition to believing, you've got to do something else. Yeah. And that something else, in effect, takes us back to being under the law. Now, what the something else was that they were telling the, the churches in Galatia to do was that you have to be circumcised. And the thing to remember is that uh, in Deuteronomy 27, uh, it says that you have to follow the entire law. So you don't get to pick and choose. So if somebody says, okay, in order to be saved, not only do you have to believe that Jesus came uh, as the son of God and that he died for our sins on the cross and that when we believe and accept him, we uh, can be saved and be at one again with God. Not only is that required to be saved, but then you also have to do this. Well, if we say, okay, well, then let me also do that, then what we're in fact agreeing to is that we're going to go back under the law and do it all. I don't want to have to go under the law and do it all because there were a lot of things that had to be done and they were all geared toward trying to control this flesh. Now, why do I want to spend my days trying to control something that I know I already can't control? That would be like somebody telling me uh, that the river is going to overflow and I go out with my um, a bucket and say, I'm going to catch all the water as it comes so it doesn't get to my house. And then every time, I, you know, I scoop it up and I try to throw it. Well, none of us would attempt that, would we? Because that's foolish. 
Same thing, this flesh is uncontrollable by us. If we could do it, we would have done it by now. Most of us have been in the world longer than 10 or 15 minutes. And we realize that if there were, is there not something in your life that if you could have stopped it by now, you would have? Yeah. Right? Because our flesh wants what it wants. It takes the Spirit of God working from the inside out to help us to be able to be in control of it. Okay? All right. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, we're looking at our liberty, uh, and we want to stand fast in the liberty because there will be so many opportunities for us to walk away and to go back in trying to fix it. Uh, because for some reason we feel like we need to do something, right? And so we have to be careful about that. An example of, you know, we think about, you know, we say how foolish it is. Nobody, once you're free, you don't want to go back. Uh, just like the example we gave last week, how many of you upon graduating from high school uh, then took off your cap and gown and the next August enrolled in kindergarten. Let me start this process all over again. No, we would say there was something seriously wrong with somebody. Once you finish high school, you don't go back to kindergarten unless you're teaching them, right? You don't go back to then learn again. Once you've learned the alphabet, uh, then it's time to make words. And once you make words, you make sentences, and then you make whole paragraphs. And some that are really talented write whole stories and books, you know, about other things. And so, but we don't go back from the beginning. Once we've been freed from the law, once the debt, we recognize that the debt has been paid because sin is a debt, then you don't go back and pay it. Uh, example, I had to go uh, for um, a diagnostic procedure earlier this year uh, at the hospital. You know, just a little preventive maintenance. Uh, you know, these bodies, as they get older, you have to do some tune-ups here or there along the way to keep them on the road. Well, so I had to go, and uh, I took my checkbook thinking, oh, dear Lord, because you know in the hospital you have to pay for the actual procedure, and then you have to pay for the person who did the procedure, and then you have to pay for the person who read the results for the procedure, and then you have to pay for the person who took the file from one to the other to read <laughs> the results. And so things can, you know, cal you know, can come up, and then you, you, know, you got to pay the person who actually printed out the bill and mailed it to you, so everybody gets a little piece of the pie. So I go, and I'm like, okay, I know I have to have this done. Oh, dear Lord, what's this going to do? It's my bottom line in my checkbook. Um, and so I go, and I have the thing done, and I get to the little checkout window, and I'm, you know, bracing myself because they usually, you know, they tell you what it's going to be, and then if you want to pay it that day, sometimes they give you a little bit of a discount or what have you. Um, so I thought, well, you know, it depends on what it's going to be. Maybe we can set up some things, you know, <laughs> we can work this out. And so I get to the window, and the lady looks at my paper, and she sees that I am self-pay, that there's no insurance company listed. And she says, oh, um, you're paying for this. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, oh, well, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay. I said, beg your pardon? <laughs> she said, well, for this particular procedure, um, the, work, the uh, staff at the hospital, we all take a little deduction from our check every week so that people that come in that don't have insurance can still have this thing done and they don't have to pay. We've paid the cost. So I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> so I'm like, yay. And so I left and I go home and I'm excited because then who cares even what the results are going to be? I didn't have to pay. <laughs> Forgot all about being concerned about that. Well, a few weeks go by, and I get a bill in the mail uh, from, the, of course, the diagnostic place who had to prepare whatever the results were. 
And it was a you know, nice size bill. I'm not saying it wasn't worth it. You know, you have to have special skills and talents to do what they do. And so I get this bill and I'm thinking, well, they told me I wasn't gonna have to pay, but maybe they just meant I wasn't gonna have to pay the hospital portion. Maybe I still have to pay this portion. And so I was looking at it and I thought, well, I guess I should call them and try to make some, you know, a little bit more than I could just write a check for at the time. But I thought, well, no, let me just, let me wait a minute <laughs> and see. So a few more weeks went by and I get the second notice. I'm thinking, okay, because you can't be playing fast and loose with credit. If you owe people, you, you have to pay them. And so I thought, well, okay, I guess I should call. But then I thought, well, no, they said I wasn't going to have to pay this debt. So I called the hospital and I, you know, explained the situation. Oh, Miss Stroud, don't worry about it. Something must have just got crossed in the mail. We've taken care of that for you. You don't owe anything. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. But see how very easily I could have taken that bill and said, well, I guess it didn't apply to this. You know, they took care of a part, part of it. And I could have called the company and said, okay, well, how much do I owe? Can you, you know, because sometimes when you call them, they give you a little bit of a discount. And I could have tried to pay that that bill and that would have upset our household budget and you know it would have you know had a little trickle down effect and we would have you know had to recoup and not do some things we would have done or try to do a little extra you know whatever kind of thing but I held on to the word that they said Miss Stroud you don't owe anything we've paid this debt that's what we need to remember when we try to fix some things Jesus has already said look I sacrificed those employees sacrificed so that I wouldn't have to pay that debt. If I had then paid it anyway, would that other company have taken my money? Of course they would have. And would that not have been a slap in the face to all of the people who sacrificed so that I wouldn't have to pay it? And if I had then struggled, and then here I am struggling with other things because I paid something that somebody had already taken care of on my behalf. When we don't stand fast in the liberty that Christ has given us, that is what we're doing. We're telling him, Jesus, I realize that you had, you suffered a horrendous death so that I wouldn't have to. You paid my sin debt. It was a debt that I couldn't afford. It needed to be paid. I couldn't afford to pay it. So you paid it on my behalf. So then when somebody brings us a bill or when the devil reminds us of what we've done, would we, when we then say, oh, well, I guess he didn't mean he covers going to cover this part. So I guess I need to try to make some arrangements and cover this part. We are telling him that what you did was not enough. I don't want to make that statement to the Lord. He said my debt was paid. So let him handle it. And if you have to go to him in prayer and say, I thought you said you covered this and keeps coming back up. <laughs> then we can rest assured when he says, don't worry about it. I've already covered it. I told you, you don't owe anything. That's what it means to stand fast in liberty. Don't go back into the law trying to do enough trying to do the things that we can do because that's what legalism is says okay now I'm saved but I've got to do something still to make up for all that I've done but some people get confused with grace and they think that it is a license to then well my slate has been wiped clean let me go out and see what else I can rack up it's not that either liberty is somewhere in the middle I realize that there's nothing else I have to do 
um, for my salvation, it's already done. But because I am so grateful for what he did for me, I will live my life a certain way. I won't go out and do things, you know, that are ugly to him. Now, because those people paid for my procedure, would I do something to help for them to lose their jobs? I don't think so. (laughs) I appreciate them. I may not ever see or know who all they are, but I appreciate their heart and that what they did for me. I appreciate what Christ has done for me. And so I will live my life in a way that is pleasing to him. I will try to establish that relationship with him. We were going to read this morning, y'all, and we're already almost out of time. Okay, so if you haven't read Galatians chapter 5, read Galatians chapter 5. But that's pretty much what we've been talking about so far. But now Paul says, okay, now I realize again um, that I don't have to, it's not up to me to do works for my salvation. Um, It's already, it's a free gift. That's what grace is about. I received something that I didn't deserve, that I couldn't get on my own. But we still have this war going on in our lives between our flesh and our spirit. And so Paul says, I realize that I need something. I need someone to help me to be able to control this flesh because it's already established I can't do it on my own. And we are so grateful that we don't have to because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes into our hearts, into our lives, and he works with us from the inside out. When we try to control our flesh, when we operate on the law, under the law, we are operating from the outside in. Uh, We try to um, control what we do. We have an outer discipline so to speak. And what an outer discipline tends to do uh, is that sometimes we do those things not so much for the glory of God, but so that other people can look at us and say how holy and wonderful we are because we don't do this, you know, and we don't do that. And usually when you, you know, when you can do a list of things that you don't do, it's only fun when you can list it in front of people and they can say, oh, you really, you are so amazing. Yeah, because I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I am good to everybody, I help the widows and the fatherless, and I help, uh, I give of myself tirelessly so that other people can have one day If you live long enough, you will be able to be as holy and as sanctified as I am. Um, Hopefully that should be your goal to one day be like me. Uh, And that's what all of you should strive for. Because when you read the law, I keep these things. I, this is me. And you be like the, the guy who stood in the synagogue and says, I, you know, I fast, I give, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that guy. But we don't want to be that way, do we? But when we start focusing on the things that we can control, we, you know, for everything you pick up, if you ever had, you know, like try to get a bunch of stuff at one time, and every time you pick up something else, you drop something and you try to pick that up and then you drop something else, that's what happens. Uh, For every two or three things that we pick up, something falls. But typically when we're doing that, when we're trying to control our flesh, we are doing it so other people can see how holy we are. And we may look good on the outside, but we won't look so good on the inside. Because then we'll have some bitterness, you know, because you'll think, well, I'm giving up, um, you know, my Sunday to be at church, and I give up my Sunday afternoon to go help people in the nursing home, and you don't do anything. Well, 
that's their choice. If you are doing it for other people to feel good, um, uh, so you can feel good and look good, well, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. But Paul says the Holy Spirit will come and work from within to help us to change. So then I'm not doing it for the gratification of somebody else. I am doing it because I want to be at one with the Lord. I want to to walk in peace uh, with him. And when we do it for that reason, it's not so that we can be glorified. It's so that the Lord will be glorified in us. Uh, So then when people look over and see the change in our lives, and most of the time, we don't even realize somebody is doing it. That's what's so wonderful about it is that they look at us and God is glorified and we are usually none the wiser. That's probably how it should be because heaven help us. We can get puffed up. Isn't that such a wonderful word, puffed up? Paul uses that. We can get puffed up. Um, We can just so very easily just get full of hot air and become so, you know, enamored with ourselves at all the wonderful things that we've done that we lose sight of the fact that I am only where I am uh, and who I am because of the grace of God. Because all of us, just one decision, one way in our lives could have been completely different. Do we realize that? When you see people, I don't know anybody that their goal in life uh, was to be strung out on drugs and living on the street, uh, doing whatever they could to get the next hit of crack. I haven't met anyone who said that was what they wanted to be in life. But it only took that one decision that one trying something, and usually they were trying something else. Because I do know people who, you know, marijuana was their thing, and they ended up getting strung out on a heavier drug because somebody, a friend of theirs, laced their marijuana cigarette with something else. And it woke something up in them, and years of their lives lives were thrown away because they were chasing that one thing. So it can be very simple being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And our lives could take a very different turn. And so when we think about that, we can then be more appreciative of the grace of God and do what we are going to do to serve him, knowing that but for your grace, you know, there I could, that could be me. Anybody, you know, it, a lot of the people now that are homeless, when I go, you know, through I-20 and you see people in tents and you think, that could have been us. You know, that could have been me. There were plenty of opportunities that we had coming along that, to, to buy things that we really couldn't afford, because, but, but we wanted them. And that's what happened with some of those people. They, they saw something. You know, everybody, most people want to own a home. There's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with that. And most of us want to live in a nice home. And some of those people saw a nice home and they wanted a nice home. And so it was more than they could afford. But because somebody told them who was in a position to kind of know, somebody told them they could have it, they got it. And when things got to where they couldn't afford it, lost everything. That could happen to anybody. You could wake up one morning and be in an accident and be injured and not be able to provide the way you've provided before and things could go. We've had people come in at the food bank who were making, you know, $100,000 a year before and their business closed down because something, somebody else opened a business where they could do it faster and cheaper and they couldn't keep up. And so they go from $100,000 one year to I'm just doing all I can to pay my mortgage. 
you know, I can't afford groceries. So things can happen and we need to be mindful of that and not be judgmental when we see people. Now I don't know where that came from, but anyway. So he goes on and we're, we're going to have to close. We're, we're running out of time. So we'll finish up chapter five next week. But he goes in uh, at the end of chapter five and he's telling us the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we'll cover that next week and we'll cover, we'll also look at some of the works of the flesh, uh, that little list there that's in there. And that's not a, a, that's not a complete list. You know, that's just some of the things we know, some of the things that we have a tendency to do that don't have anything to do with glorifying the Lord, right? It's all about making us feel good or making us look good. Uh, so we'll talk about some of those things and the consequences uh, that come as a result of those. And then on the flip side, he talks about when we walk after the Spirit, um, then there are fruit. Uh, the, there's fruit that is um, exhibited or fruit that grows from us as a result of us walking after the Spirit. And we'll talk about uh, those as well. You've heard of them before, the fruit of the Spirit, those things that are produced in our lives when we are living a life after the Holy Spirit, when we are pursuing, when we let our spirit pursue the Spirit of God instead of letting our flesh run our lives. Because our bodies, you know, as we said before, our bodies are just, you know, they're like a hull, you know, sort of thing. And they will do what we tell them to do. They don't think on their own, right? And just this flesh doesn't think on its own. It will do what we tell it to do. And so we can give it instruction to go and do good, or we can give it instruction to go and do something that's bad. It's just going to follow the directions. Don't you wish some people would follow directions just that well? But we'll pick up with that next week. So next week we'll cover the, the remainder of chapter 5 and we'll also cover chapter 6 and then we'll be finished up with Galatians. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose Him as your Lord today. Only He can make a way.